how would you feel if I became a flannel guy? It's like wore flannel all the time, mainly mm-hmm. during the fall. Yeah, mainly during the fall makes sense. Winter as well. It's not a very spring summer. It seems more like uh, you know, I don't know, I, pop punkish. Yeah, it feels to like stick to your guns to it, kind of a thing. Yeah, like when I see someone in a flannel in the summer, I'm like, that can't be your identity, man. <laughs> no, I got this one. I've been yeah. wearing it for like three days. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about my look lately. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like I, I, I'm so particular. I own like seven of the same shirt, seven of the same pant. They just yeah. happen to be different color, same socks. You know, and I've just been thinking about like, how would I even begin? Just casual it up a little bit to kind of like, you know, just throw in like, hey, this is a guy who'll wear whatever he's feeling that day. Whether than, rather than kind of having like a uniform almost. Yeah. You know? I was that way. I was pretty uniform for a while. Yeah. I don't know, the past like a year and a half maybe. I just started dressing a little different. Like when it was cold out, my place of business is pretty cold on the inside. So I just keep everything on while I'm working. Mm-hmm. I had like a hoodie and a Carhartt and a beanie and fingerless gloves. And several people were like, bro, you look homeless. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. And then I started doing that without the gloves and a baseball hat. And you're like, bro, you look like a beastie boy. I'm like, I guess my look has changed. I guess I'm a different guy now. Yeah. I don't know. Figured out. Like, uh, you know, I'll go to like, just the other day I went to the thrift store, right? And I found this large gap button up yeah that i liked i think it might have been extra large it was big and billowy uh kind of like morrissey mm-hmm. and honestly that'd probably be my ideal look kind of like slacks slightly tight a little more room than i have now yeah with just an oversized button up tucked in kind of dress shoes for you you know um but yeah i just immediately i was like man if i buy this internally without actual like thought put into it i was just like like, but I started like looking through that. I was like, can I find more gap in the same size? Like, you know, the way my, my, my basic instinct is to like acquire seven more of the same. Exact, yeah. Yeah. Same. My, my thing for a while, I guess my uniform was always either like I'd wear tight pants and a baggy shirt mm-hmm. or a tight shirt and baggy pants. Mm-hmm. I'd flip flop through those. Because I felt like both of those were a good look. And like you said, just I would change colors mm-hmm. all the time. But I've noticed lately, I've done it like unintentionally. I just wear very baggy everything. Mm-hmm. Like by my standards, baggy. Mm-hmm. I'll catch myself in a mirror sometimes. I'm like, oh, what happened to you, bud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I say, I wish I, I, I want to give. I think it's part of my insecurity, but I've always strayed away from straight leg pants. Yeah. And towards more of a taper. Because at least in my head, it makes me, I think, look a little thinner. Yeah. And the straight thing, you know, usually people who are skinny, they're like, oh, you know, the straight will make me look a little bit thicker or whatever. And exact same thing. I'm like, I don't know. It just makes it look like my thighs almost fill most of this out. I want people to know I'm not filling it. I'm not filling it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would like to have a little more room. When I wear pants that have more room, I am more comfortable. Yeah. You know. Um... Yeah, same thing with shirts. You know, there was a, a while where I was working out a lot, and almost as motivation, I was like, I want slightly tighter shirts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you know, just at a certain point, you're like, Why am I doing this? I just, I just feel uncomfortable all the time. I'm not saying that I want to wear like the baggiest shit, but like, yeah. just go up one size. No, so I, I get that. Yeah, a little bit in here. You know, comfortability. The thing I think that always sticks with me whenever my fashion choice changes. Um. I always kind of go for a kind of put together, but still messy look. Mm-hmm. Like my example now is I, when I'm not wearing a bunch of baggy shit, I'll wear a smaller shirt tucked in with a belt, mm-hmm. but my pants are baggy and the legs are way, 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 way too short. <laughs> like I did that like without realizing it, I was just buying a bunch of pants, but I was wearing Converse at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, these come up to my shoes. That's fine. And then I would wear them with normal shoes. I'm like, oh God, these are like mid shit. What am I doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like even like with my facial hair, with the exception of now, I guess. But like 
I like to have the mustache, I like to keep it tight, but I also like to have scruff. Yeah. So I look like I'm trying, but not too hard. <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Kremlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. You know who always dresses really well? Hmm. Dracula. <laughs> Which one? All of them. <laughs> let's go, yeah, let's start with, I guess, Nosferatu. Okay. Had you seen a full-length silent film prior to this? I had not. No? No, never in my life. How was that experience? Let's talk about that just to begin. It's a little warm-up. Um, biggest thing, right off the bat, people in the 20s or 30s. Which one was it? 20s. We're talking 20s. about the 20s. Yeah, yeah. Nosferatu, yeah. People in the 20s read slow as shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Two sentences will pop up on the screen and stay for, I'm not joking, 65 seconds. Yeah. Um other big complaint which we both shared mm-hmm. the music yeah it felt like a loot it might as well have been like yakety sax like it was just <laughs> so silly the entire time to where at a certain point we kind of cheated yeah um and we turned the music off we yeah put it on mute and then i was like this is working a lot better for me yes but then after a while i was like mm, this is a little awkward and you're like bro i can hear my blood moving <laughs> <laughs> so we just found like I don't know like some like droning put it out through a speaker and that worked yeah that worked so well much more appropriate uh, in general I don't know it just depends because I'm sure we could have found any number of Nosferatu with different orchestration <laughs> like uh, it's in the public domain I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's plenty out there but the one that we found was definitely like I don't know, too clean, too stock, like you say, very cartoonish at times, like, and it didn't appropriately become, like, dissonant or creepy. Yeah. Like, like there were times where it would stay joyful and, like, silly as, we like, creepy shit was happening, and, yeah, we just 100% abandoned that. Yeah. Like and in general, I wanted to see a silent film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of points where people are moving quickly, and it's supposed to be eerie. And what they do is they just cut out frames in the middle to make it faster, mm-hmm. which is creepy. Yeah, very well, surreal kind of. When you hear over the uh, top, it's like when he's like putting all the stuff on his carriage, it's just funny. Yeah. And that ruins it. Yeah, that's the thing is it's almost like they're trying to be fucking funny with it. This isn't funny. But I would say, yes, I would like, you know, perhaps like, hey, if you're thinking about, oh, this is in the public domain, like, let's add something to it. Try to do like very subtle, not over the top distorted kind of sounds a little bit like shit because the movie looks a little bit like shit you know foley or something yeah you know that'd be nice or a nice droning as we chose or a combination of both yeah um or like an eerie not goofy orchestra yeah i will say even when we did have the normal music going Mm -hmm. uh there's that shot you know he gets to the tower Mm -hmm. meets dracula or is he called Dracula in this? No, Nosferatu. They couldn't get the rights. Or Count Count Orlock. Count Orlock I think Nosferatu yeah. is supposed to be like the name for the monster that he is. Synonymous almost with vampire. And he meets Count Orlock and he's got a silly little hat on. And he's like, well, this is where you're staying tonight. I'll see ya. And then he leaves. And then later that night he opens his door and you just see that big shot down the hall. Mm-hmm. Nosferatu standing there with no hat. Just creepy as shit. And oh, yeah. even with that music, I'm like, ooh, that is haunting. I love that. Mm-hmm. So visually, yeah, I love a lot of this movie. Yeah, it looks great. Um, <clears throat> Count Orlock is spooky as fuck. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, vampire designs. Not oh, necessarily my favorite Dracula. He's my favorite vampire design. But sure. I think that's exactly what a vampire should look like. It should be kind of creepy yeah. and fucked up and, and whatnot. Um, this is... Well, while we're on the topic, I guess, of Count Orlock. Uh, criticism that's been launched? Hmm... To what extent, like, you should buy into it. That's up for you to just to, to, to decide, because F.W. Murnau, the guy who made it, apparently was, like, a homosexual, and 
uh, was very close friends with uh, a lot of Jewish people or whatever, but uh, cool. there's obvious parallels uh, that have been pointed out many a time by critics uh, between uh, propaganda against Jewish people at the time and the appearance of Count Orlock. Okay. You know, with the hook nose and the, you know, big ears, pale skin, long claw fingers, you know, rat-like teeth. And also the fact that the location has changed to Germany instead of London is seen as like a fear of the other, of the Jew moving in and corrupting okay. Germany and stuff like that. So it's just something I'm giving to you. It's just a little fun, a little not so fun fact, I guess. Not so fun. Just, it's a fact. Yeah. Maybe. It's just parallels. It's not, yeah. you know, I'm not, that's, that's where it stands at this point is that like nobody thinks FW Murnau was being anti-Semitic. But it is interesting that like around his time is when... The, the time that he was making this film, though, that's when the, yeah. the, those were kind of, you know, really kind of heating up in the in the in the motherland. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, like I say, though, you know, again, F. W. Murnau, from everybody who knew him, says he was very cordial and friendly, and actually had very many Jewish friends, and was also a homosexual, so he would have been, you know, sensitive to the idea of yeah, being persecuted yeah. for, you know. Well, to get put that bummer behind us, please, um, please do. Yes, so. From my perspective, I wanted to take you on a Dracula through the ages, mm. obviously. Um, we started with the 1931 version, uh, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and then after that, you've had an interest in Nosferatu, especially because with Kieran Eggers or Robert Eggers, Robert. whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. Kieran Eggers, I think, was a, fu- a kid I went to school with in middle school. Shout so, out. Shout out, Kieran. I think he joined the, the Marines. Um, that could be wrong. Anyways. He'll never hear this. It matter. <laughs> Your boy from the lighthouse is making a Nosferatu movie. You've had an interest in watching Nosferatu for a while, and then I just kind of con you into watching all three of these films. Yeah, I don't know how you did that, but you did yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, you, you very happily came along for the ride. Um, so just something I guess I'll point out here, but I guess I'll bring up again, and all three of them, is that there are a lot of beats that are... St- consistent across the three right oh i would say this is the same movie three times yeah. yeah there's only slight difference in like i guess the 1957 hammer film which we'll talk about but between these two right you get jonathan harker he's coming to you know transylvania to sell dracula some real estate they go to london there's the ship thing everybody in the ship's dead when he gets there he falls in love with a specific girl or whatever um, and spends the rest of the movie trying to get to that one girl. Um, so I don't want to talk about the other two just yet and like what I think about these, but I guess what's your overall opinion of like this telling of the story and its differences, right? Because I guess I'll talk a little bit about it, but like for example, Dracula 1931, it's kind of like a, they're holed up in the house and Dracula keeps coming and coming and coming. Like they yeah. fight him off and then he comes and they fight him off, you know. I guess, uh, or even, let's like, I'm just going to extend it to the whole thing. Like, you know, it starts with, uh, you know, you see a lot more Jonathan Harker. It doesn't just start with him showing up in Transylvania. It shows his boss and him telling him, oh, Count Orlock wants you to come there forthright or whatever, you know. His boss, the most evil looking man I've ever seen. Yeah, who ends up being the Renfield character. Yeah. Yeah, eating spiders and flies and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was like right off the bat he was working for Nosferatu, but maybe not. Um, I like this story, but I like bits and pieces from all three. Yeah. Um, this so, one seems nightmarish to me. Yeah. This one's nightmarish. Yeah. So, yeah, this first one, yeah, he goes there because uh, Nosferatu wants to buy a house. That's the thing I get hung up most about all three of these. Uh-huh. Well, not the third one because he's a librarian, but the two where he wants to buy the house across the street. Yeah. Bitch, you come to me. Come <laughs> look at the house. Yeah. I don't know why I got to go all the way to fucking Transylvania. Yeah. But that aside. Always be closing. Do anything to close. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. great point. Um, that's why I'm not cut out for the realtor business. Yeah. Um. Yeah, The this one, Nosferatu, he goes to the town, goes to that little bar, mm-hmm. which is also in the 50s one. And he goes to bed, finds a book just by the night shelf that's like, mm, yeah. Nosferatu. Exposition tool. And he literally laughs at it and then puts it down. Yeah. Uh, he wakes up in a dress, splashes his face with water, and then goes out to go to the uh, 
the castle. Yeah. And these people take them like halfway there. They're mm-hmm. like, mm, fuck you. We're not taking you the rest of the way. Yeah. He's like, mm, come on. And they're like, nope, this is as far as we go. And then he's yeah. like, whatever. And starts walking. And then a spooky carriage with a guy who looks like Nosferatu shows up. And mm-hmm. goes, I'm taking you the rest of the way. I'm yeah. Like, the first part of this film that I just love. That's a top. Yeah. That's a, great. that's a top 10 for me. He comes in fast motion. Yeah. Cause if pulling frames out it looks real weird it looks real really surreal weird. real nightmarish there's one shot that they like must have fucked up there's supernatural no speed yeah it's a supernatural speed there's one shot that must have got fucked up which i feel like they could fix this uh-huh. but i'm glad they didn't there's just one shot that's negative yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. The, the cart running through could be the only thing that survives could be um another side note but, i also like that the horses are like draped over they have like cloth like black cloth over yeah, yeah. Their, like they look heads like, and their bodies they look like uh they're in the clan yeah yeah it's um, creepy and i also like how wrapped up like nosferatu is and like uh when jonathan you know shows up he just points and tells him to get yep, in the carriage yep. <laughs> creepy is that nosferatu on the carriage yeah same uh with the 1931 one the guy who picks up jonathan harker is just bell lugosi oh like I a weird that. hat and stuff yeah um but no the negative shot what i'm saying is just you can just flip that oh yeah 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 like yeah. in a modern day like restoration kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah. yeah yeah yeah. or even i fuck even back then if you just yeah. have the negative mm-hmm. develop it mm-hmm. what are you doing yeah um but still i like it i think it works i like when he's coming into the castle and stuff like that and all throughout this movie there's just like modern horror things mm-hmm. that have still made it to current stuff a hundred years later mm-hmm. like he walks through the big doors or whatever and then the door slams behind him just mm-hmm. little stuff like that mm-hmm. uh creepy dark hallways which is could be the name of this movie it's just creepy <laughs> dark hallways. And yeah I, this is the hardest thing about this is probably going to be my specifics for each movie because they all kind of blend together here and there yeah well i will say i'm having a hard time remembering like so nosferatu attacks him i believe and then they take the ship together or not maybe but then they end up back in london and he's trying to protect his wife from nosferatu right does van helsing show up in this one i don't think van helsing shows up in this one am i wrong i don't know yeah i can't remember exactly i'll look it up go ahead i will say uh apparently this is the first adaptation of dracula perhaps on film i don't know but uh, or just in general or vampires in general i don't know where uh sunlight is not a discomfort to vampires but instead actually kills them yeah and it does have a kind of I, I feel like most dracula mo- movies seem to have a slightly anticlimactic ending besides horror of dracula which i think is the best one uh just because it kind of like happens right like they just open a curtain or like stab them in the chest and then it's like, kind of over and i feel like that's one of the weaker elements of this one uh but I guess, I don't know, it's kind of cool, too, also. It's like waking up from a dream, like, and just realizing, like, oh, it's all it's all over. You know, as 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 as, uh, as quickly as opening your eyes in the morning, you know. Oh, uh, fun fact. The yeah. Renfield character on this one huh. is named Renfield. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this other than, like, uh, it's sort of an oddity, a curiosity, right? The whole time I kept thinking, like, fuck, 100 years ago we were doing this, which is pretty goddamn good. But now we have Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, I can't find anything about a Van Helsing yeah. in this one. Uh, I do like, though, when Nosferatu comes to town and people yeah. just start dying, uh-huh. that it's the 20s, so they're like, ah, it's a plague. Yeah, it's gotta yeah, be a plague. yeah, yeah. I love that they keep calling it a plague. I and absolutely the, love that. All the doctors are like, man, there's a bunch of dead people from a plague on this boat, so let's, <coughs> let's pick them up with our bare hands and throw yeah. them somewhere. All this um, stuff on the ship I really liked. Mm-hmm. I thought that was Spent all. Spent a lot more had. time on the ship with this adaptation. Yeah. Um, again in fact the horror dracula doesn't even have a ship scene yeah not at all yeah this feels like cheating but just the droning mm-hmm. and just those long shots of the ship yeah the drone. really yeah. really got me yeah. or like when they're the captain and his first mate are thrown off the last crew member to die mm-hmm. it's really good and then yeah nosferatu shows up on the ship and they're like ah, and they die mm-hmm. also something i love about nosferatu a i like the the two teeth closer together mm-hmm. and also i like that he bites people on their adam's apple like in a way that is like physically impossible to bite someone that yeah. way with your two front teeth. The forbidden fruit. It's great. I love. Yeah, that's good. I love yeah. it. But no, I love it. You, you said yeah, it brings a more supernatural aspect to mm. it, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, in a very good way. That's like an odd. I don't know how to articulate this point, but yeah, 
it's he's the most supernatural seeming vampire to me because there's a degree to which with like the oversaturation of like just having oversized canines like just seems so casual and normal to me this is something that's actually like oh wow you know how often do you see the nosferatu uh style vampire other than like salem's lot um you know and i'm not going to count a little reference in spongebob but like i mean like a legitimate attempt to like you know i don't know what it is Mm -hmm. i was thinking about it with horror of dracula yeah but like you said the canines Mm -hmm. there's um the guy's wife who's you know sick and dying like lucy or no lucy's the aunt mar marine or something or something like that but you know she's a just a normal woman Mm -hmm. thought nothing nothing much of her Uh, and then she dies and comes back as a vampire Mm -hmm. she opens her mouth and she has the fangs and for some reason i was like hubba hubba i don't know why (laughs) i don't know what it is about the fangs that got me but i was like no yeah you're doing it for me now Mm -hmm. yeah well there's all kinds of sexual and uh yeah all kinds of sexual undertones to dracula which i can't necessarily speak to i mean i know that people have always seen dracula and vampires as like a very sexy thing and hell yeah and as i've said like um you know it's 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 those undertones have been noticed by academia a lot i even had a you know uh peer who was writing her senior thesis on some of like the like uh the gender roles in you know dracula and stuff like that and uh i can't really speak to him outside of i remember her talking about like it being sort of a relatively understanding uh expression of bram stoker's understanding of the women in his life expressing feminism right so it's kind of an empowering thing uh to a degree but it's also one of those things where it's like I don't know how to say it other than like my my understanding of what she was talking about a lot in class was like that it's um, him trying to like kind of like work through what they're telling him almost. But like I said, I can't really comment on it. Uh, I've never really been that aroused by vampires and I also don't really think about sex when I see vampires. Like I I almost, it's almost lost on me the idea of it being like sexy or, or like you know, even in like True Blood, when they're like shirtless with like six packs, and they like might as well be like doing mm-hmm. foreplay as they're yeah. about to like suck on a neck. It's never really like that's just like something that's never sparked for me. If I was trying to start a car I'd just stolen, it wouldn't go. I that's something I dig about this first one. Uh huh. Is in all the other ones, whenever you see or in any anything, whenever you see Dracula, mm-hmm. it's just he is a very suave, very good-looking man. He's got that mysterious accent. And he's a smooth talker, mm-hmm. and you just you kind of like him. Mm-hmm. He's a little off-putting and a little creepy, but you just there's something about him that just gets you. Yeah, Nosferatu, no two ways about it. A monster, fucking monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's a monster, but he's still a guy that like when you go to his castle and you talk to him, you're like, okay, he's just an odd-looking guy. <laughs> and then like when you like you see him at the end of the hallway, you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> well, we got two other movies to talk about, so if you have anything else. You want to say about Nosferatu, I think I've said my piece. Like I said, it's an oddity. It's a novelty. I think people should see it. It's real neat. It's nightmarish. So odd. And it's also, in my opinion, going into the category of films that you should try watching alone. Um, and especially with the soundtrack off and perhaps a drone. I mean, just to get caught in that like just hypnotic, nightmare-like experience that it is um, to see it. Uh, this may be blasphemy, but I would like... In my lifetime, to try and re-edit Nosferatu, put in a different soundtrack, maybe, yeah. a, maybe a hum, maybe a drum, maybe a drone, mm-hmm. and also implement subtitles. Subtitles. Oh, okay. Cut out the cards. Yeah. Just yeah. Put subtitles. In cards the are rough. Yeah, it's very yeah. foreign. I don't. Yeah. It's foreign to my sensibilities. It's kind of like when I'm like, man, I'm gonna go ahead and try Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> yeah, like it didn't <laughs> bother me that much, but I was yeah. like, man, man, I feel like this could be just a yeah. little. This movie would be probably 30 minutes shorter if you just did subtitles yeah. instead of cards. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just keep it going and like there's a slight break in the immersion every time yeah. it happens. Anyways, overall, I mean, I don't know how to score such a classic other than to say like, hey, I mean, it's mm-hmm. an A is crazy ahead of its time, super influential. It's still a movie that survives in like the the, 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 the conversation we're having. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I love it. Is it my favorite Dracula? No, but it's uh, remarkable. Yeah, remarkable. I really liked it. Um, it's a hundred years old, and parts of it still felt modern and yeah. effective to me. So yeah, I really enjoyed it, and even more so than I mean, I'll bring this up with the next two. Well, I won't because I'm bringing it up now. <laughs> but it's something about older movies that you mentioned to me. All of these actors, yeah, dead, and I've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. So there's something about it that makes it feel a little bit more real. Yeah, and like, oh, these are just people. So much more with this because it just yeah. feels ancient. Yes. It feels historical. Yeah. And yeah, it really works. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, there's something about silent films that almost feels like, you know, something you'd see in science class or something like that. Or, you yeah. Know, just, or like, uh, you know, a History Channel documentary or something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that they're so foreign and also to a degree, like, people just look different now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm just looking at these faces like, fuck, I've never really seen that face before, <laughs> you know, like, nowhere. Because even when we were watching Horror of Dracula, I was like, man, the guy who plays Alfred in the 89 Batman, he kind of looks like Harrison Ford, kind of looks like John yeah. Mulaney. Like, our our standards of beauty are still pretty similar to that, right? Um, so the people in those films are kind of attractive, whereas in, like, Nosferatu, eh, everybody's kind of fuck ugly. <laughs> yeah. And in 1931... People are a little more attractive. Yep, they don't look like old, old photographs. They just look like kind of old photographs. All right. No, 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 no. What do you think? About the movie? Yeah, about Dracula 1931. Bela Lugosi. Loved it. Yeah? It's the best at all three of them, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, um... I love Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Yeah. I think he's great. It is very funny to hear these old movie movies where people are like, oh, this is my friend, Count Dracula. And everyone's like, oh, hello, Count Dracula. Like, it's not. I had a similar experience with horror of Dracula when they yeah. were like, could you take Mr. Van Helsing out of here? And they don't say it like you're saying it with weight. Like, you're yeah. supposed to, like, as an audience member, know what that means. Yeah, They're just, just saying it as if it's like his name might as well be Peter Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Bela Lugosi's great. I think the main play is uh, Renfield amazing i think he's great yeah um i think van helsing is great mm-hmm. uh and those are my biggest takeaways from this movie uh shot very well um you know the big stairs at the beginning with the big spider web and the three de- uh, vampire women coming in and he like floats into their room and scares them away so he could eat runfield all to himself and stuff like that mm-hmm. i like van helsing a lot um i love I love when they're like, I forgot what it is, but they're investigating something and it just cuts to a bunch of scientists looking under a microscope and it's Van Helsing being like, yes, this is vampires. <laughs> like there's no, like in a lot of, we talked about this like supernatural stuff. It's some of you like, oh, I think it might be this, but I don't want you to think I'm crazy. And then mm-hmm. when they're finally like, oh, it has to be this. Everyone's like, you're crazy. And he's mm-hmm. just like, right off the bat. No, this is vampires. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. He's like, no, it is vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my first takeaways and one of my favorite things about this movie is from what i understand it was so hot off of the idea of talkies yeah and that was such a novelty that they didn't even necessarily think to score the thing mm-hmm. so just so much of this movie like it's just like these long surreal dreamy shots where the camera's moving very slightly and people are moving very slowly across the frame or something and you can just hear crickets yeah. Or dogs howling. There's one scene with music, and it is when they're at the theater, and it's diegetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just, like, so for as, like, I guess, theatrical and, like, 1930s is, like, a lot of it comes off. Like, that's a realism that I just feel like I don't see often in movies. And yeah. It really does end up having a very immersive effect, which is, you know, sort of an odd side of the sword since the other edge is that music is added to make it more immersive yeah or more or whatever yeah, um like when you see something that's like high fantasy or high fi- sci-fi or something like that adding music to it makes it feel a little bit more believable mm-hmm. but when none of it has music you're just there mm-hmm. and like weird shit where like the vampire women are floating in toward him and he mm-hmm. comes in through the window should not work but since you've heard no music up until this point mm-hmm. you're just there you're in it it's great children of the night what music they make. I think there are a lot of really great lines in this movie, yep, too. Yep. A lot of great performances, as you've already mentioned, right? Like, uh, Bela Lugosi obviously just kills it. Um, and it's also interesting, something else we talked about was, like, how... I'm going to just say it full force. A lot of this is not corny. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like you kind of imagine like, oh, Count Chocula yeah, and yeah. Monster Squad. You know, it's probably all goofy because they're just straight up doing what was done. Mm-hmm. But no. And I'd even take it a step further. There were a lot of uh, things that like, you know, we, 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 we agreed kind of uh, people don't play into as much as I think they kind of should. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, an example I can think of off the top of my head is like all of the neat ways that Dracula is trying to like get people to do his bidding, right? Um, like he's going out to parties and shit. Mm-hmm. Like normally, I feel like when you see vampire stuff, they stay pretty much to their house and like spooky places outside at night and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they're like almost like a like a, a a pedophile in a van being like come on into my van but no he's mm-hmm. out and about being like oh yes i am dracula you should mm-hmm. come by sometime and everyone's like mm-hmm. you know what i might take you up on that mm-hmm. but on the topic of bidding uh like for example like uh you know nobody knows that uh, the young girl has been like vampirized just yet or whatever and she's like trying to talk her boyfriend into getting the crucifix off of Van Helsing or whatever. Uh-huh. And she basically, like, I can't remember exactly how she says it, but she basically alludes to the fact that Dracula's already visited her and told her that she needs to do this, right? Or the fact that, like, uh, you know, he got to Renfield and Renfield was able to, like, get out and then, you know, do whatever the fuck Renfield had to do that basically allowed him to get into the house kind of a thing. And it's just all these really cool things where, like, you don't see Dracula doing any of this. But through dialogue, there's yeah. just that the, this idea that he's plotting, that he's scheming, that he's cunning, that he's yeah. very smart. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like, you yeah. see him a lot at the beginning where he's planting the seeds, mm-hmm. and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And he eventually, he, when he shows back up, he's just like a specter or like in a mm-hmm. shot somewhere. And it's like, ooh, he's back. Yeah. And like, yeah, like you said, it's just other people talking about things Dracula has done behind mm-hmm. the scenes. That's great. And one of my favorite moments, and I think you would enjoy it as well, is uh, when... Uh, Van Helsing observes that he has no reflection. My favorite part presents of the Dracula with that information, smashes it, and then goes to leave. And someone says something to the effect of like, "Well, what are you doing? Or where are you going? Or something like that." And he's like, he says basically like, "I have to go." Van Helsing will tell you why. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like what I am, you know. He goes. Yeah. Van Helsing picks up the mirror and goes, "Isn't it strange that you don't show up in this mirror?" And Dracula smashes it on the ground, looks around, and goes, "Tell your friends." And yeah. Leaves. Yeah. <laughs> And that's just badass. And that's my favorite thing about this Dracula is he's the kind of guy that'll just look you in the eye and, 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 and basically tell you, like... Um, oh, yeah, I drink blood. Yeah. But it's because I actually get the sense that this Dracula, more than the others that I've seen across any media, is holding more cards than you think kind of a thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's what I appreciate about this, this version of... Uh, of Dracula, and I would, I would just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not super familiar with every, you know, depiction of vampires ever, but I feel like we live in a time that's oversaturated with like the uh, troubled and dark and brooding and sexy kind yeah. of vampire, or whatever, and and uh, even, you know, slightly less frequent, but maybe more frequent, I think, to a degree, is like uh, the kind of Salem's Lot Nosferatu mm-hmm. thing. Not that they look like that, but just the idea that they're almost like you know, this monstrous, like, visceral thing, um, or maybe they're just straight-up kind of corny, like, yeah. rip-offs of... But, uh, yeah, it's just... It's it's kind of neat to see it, like, taken so seriously and handled so well. Yeah, I, I really like between the three of these, this one specifically. Well, Nosferatu is... He's a monster the entire time. Which people, I like in its own right. Yes, and people are unsettled by him the entire time. The third one... We'll get to that when we get to that, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like it sums a lot from Christopher Lee not wanting to say the lines. Mm-hmm. And also, from the get, everybody knows he's a vampire and they're there to get him. Mm-hmm. But when you see stuff like this, like at the beginning of this one, like I said, when he's out there, he's playing the game, he's talking to people, he's doing this and that. And a lot of these things, as soon as the shoe drops or someone's suspicious, it's like, oh no, well, I've got a cover story and this and that, or... Mm-hmm. It's like a cat and mouse thing or whatever. As soon, like every in this movie, everybody believes he's just a normal guy except mm-hmm. for Van Helsing. And as soon as Van Helsing brings up any kind of any kind of evidence, he's like, "All right, you got me. Yeah. I'm a vampire. This is what I do. But that's not going to help mm-hmm. you at all. I'll yeah. see. I will see you when I see you." Yeah. I also appreciate in this movie. In my opinion, I like this movie's ship scene better. I don't really remember it. It just happens quick. It's just like two like constable types standing on the shore 
and they're or not on the shore on like the the boat and they're and it's just like picture that there's like dead bodies everywhere and they're just like yeah the ship just pulled up with nothing but a dead crew and it's very just eerie and like yeah, impactful and blunt yeah? yeah yeah i like it um you hit it okay <laughs> uh, i think renfield is great um can't remember it's saul is that the guy's name in old dark house yeah you remind me of saul yeah he's um, got that thing where he's like why would i want flies when i can have big fat spiders yeah and even when he's like talking to normal people and like sometimes he's breaking down he's like oh rats. It's, it's dracula hundreds of rats yeah. or he's like oh it's dracula it's Dracula. Dracula's making me do this. I'm sorry. I don't want to do it. But yeah. uh, and then it immediately flips the switch and he's like, mm-hmm. mm, "I'm a vampire boy." Mm-hmm. And he's just, it just he's. I'm more than eight, like when I watch these old movies with you. Yeah. I always have to have like one foot in. And yeah. I, whether I'd like to or not, I have one foot out. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, these are people in the 30s and they're doing their thing. But whenever Renfield is on screen, I'm like, mm-hmm. I am hooked. Mm-hmm. I am entranced by this guy. Mm-hmm. He is so good. Yeah, as I said, he shows up again in The Mummy. Yeah. He does a very similar, like, role slash performance, uh, but it works just as well. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I'm sorry, but all I remember from this movie really is Dracula, Renfield, and uh, Van Helsing. Like, I know there's the other guy there with his girlfriend, and she's walking on a balcony sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't really remember any of that. Yeah, as I said, I've had, I've had an interesting experience with this film. Uh, I've seen it probably four-ish times. I saw it once, and I was kind of like, eh, okay, I feel like nothing happened. And I saw it a second time, and I was like, yep, that was pretty much what I remember. And then I saw it a third time, and that was when I was kind of like, oh, shit, I actually kind of like this, and I kind of appreciate how quiet it is and atmospheric. And then this time I watched it, and I was like, oh, fuck. This is good. Yeah. And there's some good shit in here they're oh, yeah. doing that, like, I, again, you know, have not seen to this day, I feel like, you know. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you've got the basic uh, rundown. Um, I would also go so far as to say this is my favorite Dracula movie. I, I, I Like I said, I love um, opening with the real estate agent, Renfield, I guess. I, I think I was calling him Jonathan Harker in the last one. Maybe it was Jonathan Harker. I whatever i don't know no it's different it's it's renfield in this one and it's jonathan hecker or something Hard, like that yeah, in yeah. This one. Yeah. um but anyways yeah renfield goes out there uh like i say i'd appreciate it if bella you know came blazing in with supernatural speed but whatever i like uh, him going to the house and i like that in this one it's in a decrepit house yeah i do like that um i like the awkward interaction they have right i like that he's cordial he feeds them right yep um and then, you know, coming to London on the ship and everybody's dead and stuff like that. Um, like I say, the way that I characterize this one as opposed to the other one is, I don't know, like, Nosferatu seems more predatory in the other one. Uh-huh. But I couldn't really say a lot about, like, once you get into the meat of it. Kind of like, I don't know, I feel like they spend more time with, like, Jonathan Harker and then the pa- the castle and then the ship and stuff like that. And then I feel like the ending kind of almost seems a little rushed to me. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but I just don't remember it that well. But like this one, it feels like the bulk of it is Van Helsing knows Dracula is Dracula. And they're spending a night or maybe two nights, but I think it's a night, like just trying to keep Dracula out. Yeah. And Dracula is just kind of like playing, you know, 4D chess while they're playing checkers kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then eventually they get the best of them and they die in the... Um, you know, he, he stakes Dracula down in the old, the old, the old basement. Uh, don't like that scene as much as I actually like the horror Dracula ending yeah, more. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah. Overall, this gets points for some amazing performances. Excuse me. Some great writing. Um, in terms of like what Dracula is and what Dracula does, and uh, just yeah, some of the characters. Uh, Van Helsing. Uh, you know, we'll just move on to the next point. I think he's got great performances between Bela Lugosi. The Van Helsing guy, Renfield. Um, and yeah, yeah, this is just uh, real neat. Uh, I would say, like, I don't I don't even know what to say. Like, it's as strong as Nosferatu. They have different strengths, but I think they're both just S-tier Dracula stories. Yeah, I'd say... Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'd say pretty much the same things. I, yeah, beautiful performances, great writing. I love the set design. Everything's yeah. great to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's something you said about the old dark house, I think, during the podcast, or maybe privately, but you were talking about how, like, 
you know, you love black and white, but like yeah. watching these, you're like, oh yeah, this is like they were trying to do something with the black and white. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get that so much with this. I got yeah. more so with the old Dark House. I think this one just is one of those ones that just happens to be in black yeah. and white. But I love. Um, I will say Nosferatu is scarier. Yeah. I never. I was never scared or like really spooked during mm-hmm. this movie. But I think there's a lot of clever stuff. Love the scene with the mirror. Um, this one seems more like a thriller. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I will give a, another special shout out. Watched a lovely little documentary after this. It yeah. made me like it even more with mm-hmm. the niece um, of the man who started. Carla Lamel or whatever. Yeah, or Lamelle or Lamelli. Yeah. She's talking about you know the history of Dracula in theater, theater. and carnival shows and. This eventually being, uh, um, 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 oh, what's his name? Dracula. Bell Lugosi? Bell Lugosi was the guy who's doing it on Broadway and stuff mm-hmm. like that. As was uh, Van Helsing. He was also. Yeah. And yeah, they were just like, well, these are the best guys for the job. And they mm-hmm. got him to do it. Also talking about the Spanish one. I'd love to see the Spanish one. Yeah, that'd be really neat. It was, it was kind of like what you were saying about um, Scream. Four, we were talking about it. You're like, I'd love to have someone like the same movie made twice by two different directors mm-hmm. who aren't talking to each other at all. Is mm-hmm. what that what happens there? This feels kind of like the same thing to me. Yeah, only slightly With, different. In the documentary, they yes. mentioned that they would watch whatever they shot that day, and they'd be like, "We could do better." Yeah, yeah, it's the same <laughs> sets, everything, different actors, and yeah, the Spanish yeah. crew would watch the American crew's yeah. stuff and be like, "How can we do this better?" Yeah. So it is technically a better movie. And yeah. yeah, I would just love to see that. That's what I. Yeah, again, overall, this is uh, definitely like a... So my favorite of the three. That A+, plus, yeah, it's my favorite as yeah, well. Yeah, same, A+. Um, and like I said, like just every time I see it, I like it more and more. I mean, I'm very interested also to like rewatch some of the other Golden Age, you know, monster movies that have a very special place in my heart. Like, for example, Frankenstein. Like, you know, perhaps maybe my opinion about Frankenstein has changed. Maybe Dracula is my favorite. But I, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm yeah, going to go ahead and curse. I don't curse a lot on this uh, podcast, but I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I'd love to watch Dracula. We got to watch all the Halloweens spoilers, yeah. but I'd like to do Dra- uh, Frankenstein. Did I, yeah. I just said Dracula. I'd yeah. like to watch the Frankenstein's. Yeah. Well, you want to rate it at all or whatever? Yeah, I give it. Did an you a. rate the other one? Yeah. Okay. Give them both an A. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, this is a horror of a segue, but. Horror Dracula, 1957, Hammer Films, the movie that kicked it off, Hammer Films becoming synonymous with color, blood, monsters throughout the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. Not so much the 50s, but this is 1957. This is Christopher Lee, and this is Peter Cushing, and this is Dracula. What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah. Didn't love it. There's a lot of it that I think is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's gore. Mm-hmm. For you know, 1957 standards, mm-hmm. um, I like Christopher Lee as Dracula when he speaks. Um, it's kind of a blending of the two, but much yeah. heavier on the Nosferatu thing because he gets he's so quiet the whole yeah. time. Yeah, and you were telling me apparently Christopher Lee was like, "This is garbage. I'm not saying any of this. I'm just yeah. gonna stay in here." Yeah, from what I've heard, Christopher Lee, as the series goes on, especially just was like, "I'm not going to read these lines. Yeah, these are not good lines." But I think he's a good Dracula. Like I said, when he shows up, he's very cordial. He's just like Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. um, but he stays primarily in the house. But just like almost immediately, um, librarian comes. He's here to index the books. Dracula tells him. And I'd like to believe this for all three of them, but I'd like to believe that Dracula is just a pragmatic guy. And he's like, you know, I'm a vampire and I eat people, but I just got all these books out of order. (laughs) I'm going to hire a guy. I'm going to hire a guy to come fix these books. And then the guy cuts his finger and he's like, "Mm, I'm going to eat this guy. Um, But unbeknownst to us at the beginning, librarian is undercover with Van Helsing to come and get Dracula. Which I don't like. It puts don't mind it. Dracula, like almost like, like you had to take a step back kind of a thing. Like he's already at the disadvantage kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's one thing I thought about earlier while we were talking, as I was trying to like characterize or differentiate this movies. This one, to me, not saying he's totally, but it's the most like cornered rat Dracula in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. He's constantly the one who's 
even though there are points where they're like, oh my god, I can't believe they got Mina. I always feel like Dracula doesn't really pose a threat. Like, they have the upper hand. He's the, the least, like, threatening Dracula yeah. to me. I do like, though... Desperate. Um, Like, later on in the movie, they're trying to find him. They, like, go to where they think his coffin is, and mm-hmm. it's not there. And then they go back to their house, mm-hmm. and they go into the basement, mm-hmm. and his coffin's in the basement. Well, it's specifically because the the maid says, oh, Miss Whatever told me I should, shouldn't should go down there yeah. by any certain... And they both immediately go, oh, yeah. which is a nice reveal. I like that a lot. I do like and that. And I like that because it makes me like Salem's Lot a little bit more, because mm-hmm. that happens in Salem's Lot. Um, but no, I like the, the librarian comes, he's, you know weirded out there's a woman there's like oh you gotta get me out of here yeah that was neat that was an odd moment that made reminded me of uh the uh the francis ford coppola i think no 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 Eh, i can't remember offhand i think it was francis ford Coppola. no i don't know the terror just seemed like uh kind of like william castley like just like uh, stock, very 1950s stock. Like, okay. like there'd be a traveler and he would stop, or he'd make it to his destination at the castle, and then some weird shit would happen at night where like a woman came up and was like, "You have to help me, you have to help me." But yeah. she remained vague about it. Like, yeah, it is neat. And then he runs into her in another room, and she's doing it again, and she bites him in the neck. And then a door slams open, and it's Dracula, and he's got blood all over his mouth, mm-hmm. and he's got those contacts, in, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this guy's scary." Like, I'm genuinely frightened of this man. More so than I was before. Mm-hmm. He comes mm-hmm. in, picks her off, walk, picks her up, walks off. He's got that very cool cape, which I absolutely love. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Capes need to make a comeback. I'm surprised they haven't. Oh, can we pause for a second? Yeah. I was right about the terror. Terror was long story short a movie. Roger Corman, uh, who much like William Castle, are both just movies that were directors that were just cranking out horror movies, cranking yeah. out horror movies. Didn't give a fuck. Uh, they got. Roger Corman got Boris Karloff on set for another movie, uh, and just without a script or anything like that, was like, "Fuck it, he's only here for two days. Let's shut a bunch of shoot a bunch of B roll, and then we'll build a movie around it later." Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Tell me about this. Uh, so, in terms of being directed, it's only credited as being Roger Corman, but Francis Ford Coppola worked on it, uh, as well as Dennis Jacob. Don't know who that is. Monty Hellman. Don't know who that is. Jack Hill. Don't know who that is. And Jack Nicholson. Um, basically, everybody kind of took turns like writing and directing the thing, and at the end, you know, Roger Corman was like, fuck it, just chop it all together and make a movie, you know, put it out, put it out, put it out. And so it's just this weird, like, dissonant, disjointed fucking the accidental byproduct is that it's very surreal and dreamlike <laughs> the thing where sometimes Boris Karloff shows up kind of anyways the reason why I brought that up is because that's immediately what comes to mind with like the uh, the uh, the woman in the castle who's like help me help me it seems yeah. very like Roger Corman William Castle you know I if I'm being honest don't got that much more to say about this movie yeah okay well i mean you know like i say like it's 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 strengths at the time were like oh it's in color for the first time you can see the blood and stuff like yeah. that and then it's kind of nice to see it in color i think it is pretty atmospheric i like the sets specifically that they look like sets sometimes like they were kind of built like especially like the cemetery they keep going down into to check on like lucy i especially love when like the fog rolls in um like I said, I'm not a fan of the fact that, like, uh, you know, they were targeting kind of Dracula. They kind of knew this was a castle. They were trying to hunt him or whatever. Um, I, I much prefer the way that Van Helsing is in the other one rather than this one where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is almost the most, like, vampire hunter you yeah. see Van Helsing, um, which is interesting because the vampire hunter aspect of Van Helsing has become much more popular yeah. than Van Helsing just being sort of a doctor who's like, eh. I think he's a vampire, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like, uh, you know, they get Lucy and, uh, you know, very similar to like the Bela Lugosi one, you know, as night falls, they're like, oh, get this garlic out of here. You have to open the windows for me. That stuff works. And I like that. Um, again, it reminds me a little of the Bela Lugosi one, the, the fact that like, you know, Dracula keeps coming after this one guy. He wants revenge. They even mentioned at one point, um, you know, and they get the guy's wife and yada, yada, yada. But again, like the things that are missing for me are just like mainly at this point, like as disappointing as it is for me to even say, 
Like I've seen Bela Lugosi, I want Bela Lugosi. That's yeah. kind of where I end up with it. Like he's not cunning. Like I said, he's not seemingly like plotting. If anything, like I say, like I, I, I almost like pity him a little bit. He seems very desperate. Like he's just clawing for scraps almost. It's a very rat-like Dracula, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, you know. Um, and that's kind of all I got to say about it. I think the biggest strength, in my opinion, is uh, the final face-off between him and Van Helsing when Van Helsing looks to the curtain, pulls it down, and you get that great effect where he crumbles into dust. Yep, yep. And I would say my ideal uh, Dracula film would probably be uh, a very well-handled, very well-handled remake of specifically the 1931, pretty much shot for shot, but add in a death scene like that at the end. And it would have to have be somebody that I really appreciate their 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 judgment and aesthetic uh, choices. Um, but it'd be a blending of those two, kind of. I think with just that ending from the other one, kind of thing. And I s- and nineteen thirty one. I said this yesterday. Yeah, I was looking it up. The um, can't remember what it's called, but the movie about them making Nosferatu, Shadow of the Vampire, and Max Shrek actually being a vampire and people being concerned about it. Yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe plays Max mm-hmm. Shrek and Osferatu. Robert Eggers has to. Has to get <laughs> Willem Dafoe to play Nosferatu in this game. I will say something that I noticed a lot during Horror of Dracula, which I didn't like, but I thought was funny. I thought it, it, it amused me the whole time. There's so many shots of like Dracula and other people who like walk into a shot and for the whole time the top half of their head is cut off. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just at the top of the screen. It's just like, hey, their head's cut off. Can we, do you want to reshoot this? And everyone's like, but it's five o'clock. It's time for all of us to go. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'll leave that one. I think, honestly, this is probably like a C for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say that Horror Dracula is kind of C territory. I Yeah, I'd give it a C, C minus maybe. Yeah. Fun conversation I had today that relates remember me telling you the other day I was watching I was cat sitting for my parents and they just had these like weird like sandwich cookies on their pantry with like mm-hmm. some weird language on it that I didn't realize I'm like these are fucking great German I went and I saw my parents today I'm like oh yeah what are these where'd you get these and I call we Transylvania so and so moved out across the street we have a new neighbor her name is uh, Sabina or something along those lines excuse uh, me Sorry. and my mom's like she's very nice um she came over, she gave us all these cookies, and she made muffins and stuff like that. And we're like, man, you're the new neighbor. We're supposed to be doing this for you. And my dad's like, yeah, she's from Transylvania. I'm like, what? He goes, she's a vampire, and she's trying to get us to invite her in. That's got to be what's <laughs> happening. Uh, I'm like, oh, is she from? My dad's like, she's from Romania. There's no way yeah. she's not a vampire. My mom's like, yeah, we called the neighbors. And I'm like, yeah, she brought us muffins and cookies and stuff like that. And so I'll tell you, like likely she might buy us some more. I'm like, oh, I'm like a vampire. <laughs> it reminds me of one of the things I did like about Salem's Lot, which is like them coming to the window and being like, let me in. Yep. Yep. Let yep. Me yep. In. But otherwise, that's that, Mattress Man. If you need more soup, Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time, 